trust me, there there is there are no life support. <laughs> That's not going to go out there into the universe. Good. All right. With that said, welcome back, everybody, to Wages of Cinema. I'm Jack. Yes, and I'm Andrew. And all right. Boy. We just got done watching the Oscars. Yeah. We're going to talk all about the Oscars uh, tonight. Uh, usually, you know, we do our little reviews. We do our wa- a cinema immersion tank. Uh, this week, we're going to forego that. We're going to save it till next time, about two weeks from now. Right now, it's all Oscars all the time, at least for the next hour. Yeah. So, we're going to give you our fresh, uh, hot off the presses reactions uh, and... Uh, yeah, generally, uh, I had fun watching this. Yeah, I had a lot of fun too. Chris, uh, we should probably talk about Chris Rock. Chris, the Chris Rock, uh, Chris Rock, the house. Chris yeah. rocking all over the place. He, uh, you know, I mean, I enjoyed him. I mean, I enjoyed him very much the last time I saw him host the Oscars, but that was a very different Oscars. Uh, so when was that? Uh, I'm gonna. It was the year that Ray. That uh, Jamie Foxx won for Ray, so I'm going to say that was the 2005 Oscars. All right, and uh, of course that year he didn't have to deal with uh, all of this Oscar so white drama. Yeah, but what's great about it is, I mean, uh, an Oscar cer- an Oscar ceremony more or less gets defined by who's hosting it. Yeah, you, I mean, it's either going to be feel like it's way too long. Uh, you know, full of stuff you're just waiting for, you know, for the the real important awards to come out. You know, the host, you know, moves it along and it gives it a little spirit. Yeah. Chris Rock did that tonight. He did that very well. I mean, he, I think he would have done that even if uh, the, the, the sort of topicalness of the no black actor nominees was, was an issue. But because it was an issue, he decided, he could have done one of two things, either try to skirt past it. Or completely own it and really go for it, and he went for the latter. Yeah, and he, and he's done the Academy a huge favor. You were saying that during the show. Tell me what you mean again. All right, what I said during the show was this: like happened towards the end, and I was, you know, but basically all of the jokes Chris Rock told were geared towards race yeah. and about the fact that all the nominees were white. That's right, and I I realized that. Not only did that make the the ceremony funnier, but it actually helped make the Academy look better because it made them look like they were completely owning it. Yeah. They were they were owning up to it, they were admitting it, but they were also like, Yeah, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean I should say not every single Joker bit was about the Oscars. I mean, not about the about the racism part. It was I mean, mostly about. Oh no 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 about no no. Race. It was mostly about it. Like, do you think that there was was there a certain point where it was almost like okay, all right, we get it enough? Because I'm not. Sh- I, I'm I'm temp- I'm con- I'm still trying to wrestle with if maybe they had one too many bits. Now again, the opening monologue, brilliant. Right, right out of the gate. He comes out and just he addresses the elephant in the room, which is of course no black nominees this year and also last year. And yet he talked about how he put it in a great context. He, you know, and Chris Rock does that. I mean, he is one of our national treasures as far as a stand-up comedian, black, white, whatever. He's just, and he was able to bring real insight and intelligence to it. In a way that was funny. I mean, he brings it back to his analogy about the uh, how it's it, how Hollywood's <laughs> racism is more like if you're in a sorority. Yeah, um, sorority uh, racism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a new term for me, but I'm going to start using that more often. Exactly. Um, and uh, and then he was telling a joke back in you know this uh, Oscars Oscar ceremonies when there have been all white nominees. Back it's in basically, the 50s and there, 60s. Yeah, there have been 88 Oscar ceremonies, and basically there have been all white people for about 71 of those years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so that was a problem back in 63, 64. But that was when black people had a lot more serious problems yeah. to deal with. <laughs> like being raped and lynched. Yes. I, I Which just... was really, that was, a, that was a pretty extreme joke. It was, but I, yeah, I have to wonder, like, you know, what when the Oscars start the ceremony, usually that's when you get everybody watching. Because right. maybe I don't know, maybe some people might 
flip channels during you know sound design uh as they should. yeah well i mean if people can explain the difference between sound editing and sound mixing i i got a new cadillac for you um you heard it here first wages of cinema cadillac deals not included um but you know people are tuning at the beginning they hear that monologue and i think that would hopefully will get a lot of people's attention oh yeah you know again it's it was something where we are going you know he what i liked most of all is that he almost kind of pointed out in a way that all right i mean the larger issue is a big deal we need to get better roles for african-american actors we need to give them more roles but let's not let's not make it all about this this is in the grand scheme of things in the world this doesn't matter quite as much as other issues of racism out there yeah now because it is here let's address it and let's do it in a funny way so it's like he he said on the one hand it is serious on the other hand Let's let's stop being let's not kid ourselves. Right. You know, and uh I forget he also I think he made some kind of crack about Kevin Hart and uh I mean, there there are a lot of jokes about Kevin Hart. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't help it cuz he's so tiny. Yeah. But <laughs> uh but Chris Rock did a great job. He, yeah. uh, he's he, I think he's the the best host they've had since uh, Seth MacFarlane did it. Not as and you know maybe I'm just you're partial to Seth MacFarlane. I am very partial to Seth. Seth. Seth there were nah, two very Seth different MacFarlane, hosts, though. Two very different hosts, but still breath of fresh air. Yeah. One one small nitpick when I talked about like the one joke oddly enough that didn't I'm not going to say every single joke entirely worked like the the thing about Stacy Dash. Did you you didn't get that joke did you? Nope. I get I guarantee most of America didn't it because I have been hearing I've heard about Stacey Dash for a while she was an actress she I think she might have been in Clueless actually okay I think she was the the black friend right I could be wrong you might want to look that up if you want to correct me uh by the way uh if you want to send any messages about the Oscars <laughs> or about Stacey Dash make sure to email wagesofcinema at gmail.com uh also we're on Facebook and Twitter um but Stacey Dash is somebody who is very right-leaning. She's, uh, and actually my, my lovely wife, Corey, just showed me a note saying, you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but, like, so, like, she, and she's been saying a lot of things like, oh, Black History Month is not a big deal. You know, who cares? You know, who cares? Black people should get over themselves. And so Chris Rogg brought her out for a moment, and it was the most awkward thing ever. And I feel like it might have messed a little bit with uh, Sarah Silverman's bit. Or maybe she wasn't that funny. But the only other thing, what do you think of the, the thing with the Girl Scout cookies? Meh. Yeah, that, I felt the same way. I, the problem is, a few years back, Ellen DeGeneres was the host. And she had a whole bit involving uh, pizza, I think. Was it her? Yeah. I might be confused with right. someone else. Okay. And I just, you know, that didn't really work so well for me. Yeah. Um, all right, but let's get to all right. So Chris Rock, we can agree, really good. An important thing for you, of course, the show opened with a montage. Yes, I and lamented last year's lack of montages. I am a montage man. Montage man. And okay, there was only one montage, one proper montage. Yeah, you could sort of count. Yeah, like there weren't any themed montages like when they did James Bond uh, a few years ago. Yeah, uh, but the, uh, what I liked about the montage is something we discussed: how it takes all the great movies and it takes all the crappy movies, but it still cuts in scenes from both, and still an exciting montage. I mean, yeah, I mean it was. A I'm pretty odd. sure I saw a clip from Gem and the Holograms in there. I I think I saw a clip from Daddy's Home, the yeah. Will Ferrell Mark <laughs> Wahlberg comedy, and I think I also saw Fifty Shades of Grey, which was up for an Oscar, by the way. Yeah, for best song. Best song. Um, although not, from all accounts, from what I've heard, not a very good movie. But yeah, so so you liked that that it kind of it was just not. Let's not just look at the Oscar nominees. Let's throw together the year in film. Yeah, because I because I do think that the Oscars. I mean. You're celebra- you, you dedicate the whole night to the celebrate to celebrating the best in certain if, areas. Yeah. Uh, but then you do sh- you do have to acknowledge that it w- there was an entire year of films where there were thousands of uh, of films released in the theaters. Yeah. And it's just it, it builds an incredible sense of community that even if you even if Fifty Shades of Grey is not a good film or even if Gem and the Holograms is abysmal that you know everybody still belongs to this brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, of film. 
And, and that's what I think montages are all about. I mean, you take like the common things from every film, no matter how how critically acclaimed it is or how much it gets lambasted. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's like everyone is a part of this, and even though if you're not nominated, this is still for you. Yeah. No. 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 There is some merit to that. You you make a good point, and I think that that is a more interesting montage than. I think the problem with the montages is that I've seen the the sort of greatest films of all time montage like right. 20 times by now uh you know where you see the same thing you know you see clips from Lawrence Arabia and Brazil Lost Ark and Sound of Music and Gone with the Wind I've seen those types of montages so many times we didn't quite have that um I you know but we we had just one and yeah. that's an improvement over last year. <laughs> you know yeah. what else is an improvement over last year? Yeah. Fewer musical numbers. No, there were no. I am pro, I am very happy with that. Like in the past couple of years, they've had. Let's have a tribute to the Wizard of Oz, and let's have a tribute to the Sound of Music. And, and granted, I, those are important. They are. They're, but, they're films known for their music. Yes. So I'm willing to indulge. I was. I so, understand that they're important, but it's. It's just a little obvious to me. Maybe that's what the and then again the Oscars are freaking obvious, but um, I don't know. But uh, there but, are three musical year, numbers. The first one was uh, Sam Smith, uh, uh, "Writings on the Wall" from Spectre. Yes, uh, which you hate. And then it's it's not it's just not a good song. And here's the part where Fifty Shades of Grey has won its place in Oscar history. There was the second musical number uh, earned it. Yeah, and by, then uh, who who did that song? Oh, I forget. Oh. Oh, no. Fifty Shades of Grey, composer man. No, it. No, this is important. Oh God, oh this is gonna kill me. But I, then the I third, uh, you look it up. You, yeah. Third musical number, uh, till it happens to you, done by Lady Gaga, from the from the uh, documentary The Hunting Ground. Yeah, yeah, that movie. Uh, I wish I had seen that. Actually, that it's it's I, as I mentioned to you. I, I wonder how often that happens when a documentary gets nominated for best song, but not for best documentary. Well. And, uh, I don't know, it just seemed a little odd. I mean, it's an I'm, odd combination, but, I mean, Lady Gaga, oh, Lady no, no, Gaga sure. is a world-renowned artist. It's a, it's a really good song. Oh, sure. Oh! Oh, the, it was called The Weeknd. It's like a, a singer. Oh, who did, uh, Earned It. Yeah. Earned It by The Weeknd. Yeah. Uh, that's, he didn't earn it. Weird. He lost. <laughs> I'm sorry. Imagine, though, if that had won. Earned It, Earned It. You would have seen those headlines. Fifty Shades of Grey would get an Oscar. Yeah. For something. That's Stranger things have happened in Oscar history, though. Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. But actually, the, the song from Spectre ended up getting a Best Original Song. Uh, yeah. Writings on the Wall. Which you seem to be very uh, the thing, disappointed in. Here, here, my problem with it: if all of the songs were on like the same level, if they all were man mediocre songs, whatever, okay. But Lady Gaga's song was really moving, and she put and even maybe I'm just going by the live performance that she gave because I hadn't really heard the song before this, but it was just better written. It had a stronger emotional flow. Like the the Sam Smith song is just kind of a limp noodle, and uh, <laughs> as far as also for a James Bond theme, it's just oh my god! Give me uh like give me like at least give me some energy, give me some mood like some, Skyfall. Yeah, Skyfall, or even like the Chris Cornell song from Casino Royale. You know my name, yeah. Uh, I mean, remember when we had songs like Gold Goldfinger? Goldfinger and yeah. like live and let die and, and the spot in uh, the song uh, baby you're the best is that the name of that <laughs> nobody does it better yeah. is that the actual name of it <laughs> baby you're the best baby you're the best all right no it's nobody does it better yeah well, from that... from the spy who loved me yeah that's that's such a great song baby, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> hey it's late I'm, i need uh, i've been up for a while um but in great news though the thing that made us both Almost get oh out yeah, of our the seats. music related. Uh... I had a bipolar reaction because they had best original score and best song back to back, 
Best original score. Best best song deflated your energy, but you got that energy from best original score. By, by the end of it, I felt kind of evened out. Yeah, I guess you could say. And Morricone won for his score for the Hateful Eight. Huzzah! Woo! Woo! High five again! High five! Yes. We uh, um, yeah. I mean, one of the things that we talked about on our episode regarding the Hateful Eight, if you haven't listened to that, check that out. Um, was just how awesome the score is. Yeah, and. You know, even though there are things about it that make you think of other Ennio Morricone songs, it was still, you know, it worked completely for that film. Yeah. It brought out, like, a sinister energy. Set set the mood great. Yeah. Uh, uh, Oh, man. And it's got... uh, It's it's, it's eerie. It's really eerie. And uh, you said, I think, it's... Hatefully is scored like a horror film. Even though it's a western, even though it's a western, you're which right. Which is the kind of the brilliance of it. It's, it, it has that same feeling of, uh, you know, when uh, Blondie and Tuco are walking across the desert, just yeah. total, we're gonna die. <laughs> um, and, but, and but God bless him. Yeah, and this is technically Ennio Morricone's second Oscar. Well, if you yeah, but that's again, he joins a very small club of people who have uh, one oscars after they've won their honorary oscar yeah and you know Morricone got his honorary oscar what year was that this was um i'm gonna say nine years ago i think it was the same year that scorsese won for the departed okay because so i think i remember that yeah and it's it's funny i have a, a just a very short aside uh, i remember when he was was winning that and they had you know of course the big you know when you that was back again i i lament the loss of having real honorary oscars giving out during the real Oscar ceremony. Yeah. It's not the let's do this governor's ball months in advance and then show little clips at the Oscars. You got to see Ennio Morricone montage. Mm. You may do you, you don't remember that, do you? No. because ah, that was great. That you was got, before I, I watched the Oscars. Oh, because that night, yeah, they got to really honor him and have like a five minute montage of all the movies that he scored and and then he got up on stage and you know, just like tonight, he gave a speech in Italian, um, and uh, yeah, so it's just it's awesome. He joins a group of people, including the likes of Paul Newman and Steven Spielberg, who uh, won their honorary Oscar and then won their regular Oscars. You know, eighty-seven years old. You know, most people are you know just barely able to get up out of bed by the time they're eighty-seven. <laughs> Some people are dead. Yeah. He's alive and still making wonderful music. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and he conducted the music too. Yeah. Like you got to see a little clip of him doing that, you know, it's uh Yeah, Tarantino, three Oscar winning movies in a row. All right. So right on. Um so other winners of the night. I mean Mad Max was of course the big one. Mad Max was a big winner by volume. Yeah, it I, won it did, all of the technical awards. It did not get Best Picture, unfortunately. No. I, I don't think either of us really expected it to. Did, so did you, we really wanted it to. It would have been a nice upset. I wasn't really expecting it. To me, Mad Max Fury Road was the Star Wars of the night. Um, like, And I mean Star Wars from you know the 70s. Yeah, when that Because that night, when that... Because Star Wars won all the technical awards that night but then didn't win picture and director. Yeah. And I think it's because with the exception of Lord of the Rings, there's just this sort of bias against movies that are actiony spectacle type movies. You could like, argue that even Lord of the Rings has a greater sense of legitimacy because it's big based upon this big work of, of fiction. And you know what it is? Oscar voters, they grew up with those books too. Okay. Like I think there might there might also be something to that. Yeah, where, the Lord of the Rings has this literary pedigree, while whereas, while is, whereas Star Wars kind of sprang out. Uh, yeah, whereas Star fully the, formed. You know what it is? The, the snobbishness, and I think it's it's similar in a way because Star Wars comes out of you know Flash Gordon and B movies and comic books. Mad Max started at exploitation. Yeah, it, you know, it's, Ma- it's Mad an explo- Max. It's, it has its roots in exploitation. And I feel like that's one of the things that made me so happy when the movie did get so many nominations. Is like, man, Fury Road is basically a gigantic, hundred and fifty million dollar exploitation movie, but done on an epic scale. Again, it's much better than even you know. It's it takes the things that Miller did in Road Warrior and brings it to another level. Yeah. 
Um, but but yeah. I mean, it got it got best costume design. It got best uh, it, it best won production all design, best sound, best sound editing, best film editing. There right. sometimes it's interesting in the past films that won the Oscar for best film editing generally went on to win best picture. Huh. There were a couple of people when I was following Twitter all night. A couple of people wondered, huh, maybe Mad Max does have a chance at best picture. Or best director because usually editing is, but that's kind of changed in the past years, uh, where that's not the case anymore. Um, but yeah, an interesting note by the way, comparing to Star Wars, I mentioned to you, the editor of Mad Max Fury Road is actually George Miller's wife. Yeah. So even though George Miller unfortunately didn't get an Oscar for this movie, the Miller household goes home with something. Yeah. <laughs> he he can put up his Oscar for Happy Feet next to. Her Oscar for Fury Road, and you know, and they can kiss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, other things again. I, I, I had a feeling that would happen after after Mad Max was getting all those technical awards. That I'm yeah. like, yeah. I have a I have a feeling it's not going to get Best Picture, but still, six Oscars is not bad. No, 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 not at all. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on the actor and actress? Uh, awards well i mean um here's the thing i didn't see the danish girl so no comment just yet maybe i'll check it out now i mean alicia vikander is somebody who um if anybody's seen ex machina which incidentally was one of my big surprise wins of the night for visual effects yeah that to me i thought that they would throw one bone to star wars and i thought that would be it because star wars it did that the visual effects category all the nominees were pretty wonderful uh examples uh i'm glad jurassic world didn't get nominated uh <laughs> stupid raptors um best supporting actor though that was the biggest upset to me now here's the thing a couple people on twitter then also um were also saying that the race was between stallone and mark rylance who was the, who did win for bridge of spies i it was an upset to me in the sense that usually i thought that the Oscars would, you know, tend to go sentimental. I always go back to the example of Martin Landau winning uh, instead of Samuel Jackson for Pulp Fiction. Um, this is the reverse. Winning it of that. for Ed Wood. Yeah. Yeah. You, you instead know, I mean, of Samuel Jackson winning for but, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I should clear that. Yeah, 1995, Ed Wood. Pulp Martin Pulp Landau Fiction. for Pulp, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> it's, I'm just picturing Martin Landau giving the Ezekiel speech. <laughs> Hey, in an alternate universe, who knows? Uh, I mean, he did play uh, a slimy guy in uh, North by Northwest. Right. All right, but the point is, though, I thought that was going to happen. Uh, it didn't, though, because Mark Rylance, you know, most people didn't know who this guy was, unless if you watched, uh, like, Wolf Hall, the BBC series. Which nobody has. Yeah, no, barely anybody has. <laughs> um, Mark Rylance is, you know, again, the Academy also likes to do this. They like to sort of give somebody an award for somebody who has been acting for a long time and hasn't really gotten the just dessert like jk simmons last year right or again mark ron's now he's gonna be working steadily for the rest of his life yeah whereas uh, stallone though i don't know maybe he could have gotten it he could have gotten it. I mean, he's been working steadily. He's part of several big films I really, he's a recognizable face he really i mean i don't know why he didn't maybe it was just really really close who knows how the voting works um i i when you come right down to it more people thought mark rylance deserved that oscar yeah um by the way as an aside i should mention that uh for those of you wondering though um a key thing to mention before we go to the other acting nominee winners because they were pretty much they, there was no surprise there for actress and actor uh brie larson for room and leonardo dicaprio for the revenant we'll get to that in a second um, one thing I'd like to talk about, though, and I think it's significant, uh, because I follow now for the past couple years, two, three years, the Hollywood Reporter runs this series of articles called Brutally Honest Oscar Ballots. And maybe I'll post an example of this on the Facebook page. But what it is is people who vote on the Oscars, and you know they, they are, they're anonymous, but you get to see everything that they write out with along with their picks for winners and a, a very troubling trend that you follow or at least for me it's troubling a lot of them don't see all the films hmm. and yet they still vote 
some of them will abstain if they haven't seen all the films, and that's okay. That's good. But, like, for example, for Best Supporting Actress, there were two people who voted who didn't see The Hateful Eight. Hmm. Which is just, that's just, you know, people who vote on the Oscars, members of the Academy, they get the movies for free. They get screeners. They're invited They're invited to uh, screenings of movies. That You should see the movies if you're part of this exclusive club. Um, it's troubling. It, it reminds me of how when I learned, and maybe this was me being really naive, that like Congress, for example, votes on bills and they don't read the bills. <laughs> You know, which um, yeah, maybe well, you can't read all the bills, but you can sit down and watch a two-hour movie, yeah, or even a few movies. I mean, The Hateful Eight. Okay, maybe for that, maybe uh, the thinking was, oh, I need to see this in seventy millimeter. I'm not getting out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I think just, to, just, gi- just to give the opposite viewpoint here. What's the opposite I, viewpoint? You're saying that. I mean, if you're going to vote, you should see all the movies. Now, yes, I mean that's fair, but. When it becomes your task to, if you if you are a member of the academy, mm-hmm. you are a person who works in film production in some capacity. Mm-hmm. You have a job, and then your other task is to watch all of these films. Okay, and it's watching films, but when you have to do it, it becomes a chore. Okay, but, and then they're just but then films. don't be a member of the academy. Oh, great! I'll I'll give that up. <laughs> Uh, no, but it's and just... then it's and and then it's like, oh, I, I have to watch the Danish girl, and I'm like, well, okay, great. <laughs> I, I have to. Sorry, I man. have to watch this now just so I can vote on it. I gotta. Wa- I'm gonna watch a film that I have no interest in. I I don't know. Not to say anything. I haven't seen the Danish girl. I I don't know if it's a good movie or not. Jack seems to think no, but it's, it's... just that like this idea though that people who are voting. Because they feel some obligation to vote for a particular movie. Like, this happened... Well, I mentioned this is not a new trend with these ballots. A couple years ago, with 12 Years a Slave, people voted that for Best Picture without seeing it. I mean, you could argue on the one hand, okay, I didn't get any time to see this, I'll just vote for it because it's a thing to do. But that, I feel like, also... That could set a precedent over and over again where that becomes... A pattern instead of maybe just maybe an, an occasional. Thing uh, it that certainly happens. shouldn't become a trend. It's I don't know. I, I, I you're it... talking about an ideal that has to be striven for. Can if you I... see every movie? I don't think that that is feasible. No, but but should but you make an effort that... to see as much as you can? Absolutely. The, it, here's the thing: it's it's one thing if it's people voting for the nominees. What I'm talking about are the people who. You have now a set number of films that are already nominated for the Oscars. You should, you know, carve out a little bit of time, even if you work. Maybe carve out a couple hours at the end of your night, pop in a screener. That's the thing, too. Again, I mentioned that they get sent these movies for free. They don't even need to go out to the theater. They could just curl up in bed, watch the movie, and that's it. Okay. So I don't know if that... Makes it a little bit clearer too. Again, I just and before we move on, after Mark Rylance uh, won Best Supporting Actor, uh, I'm going to quote you, uh, you in the audience, what Jack said. He said, "Wow, what? Whoa!" <laughs> I turned into Keanu Reeves, folks. Um, that happened a couple of times when somebody who I just didn't expect to win won. I mean, the thing is, there are always that's the thing with the Oscars, and that is what makes it kind of fun. Is that you do get some unexpected moments? Uh, Good, you know. Which yeah, that's fine. I mean, again, I'm happy for Mark Rylance. I'm, I'm, I think he gave a wonderful performance. Uh, it, you know, it was, it was a tough category. I mean, you had a lot of good performances in that roster of people between uh, Tom Hardy and uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo, and I'm, I'm forgetting the la- oh, and Christian Bale, um, Sylvester Stallone. I was, well, I was, well, I was. Meaning that in context of Stallone versus Rylance. Right. Uh, um, best actor, Leonardo DiCaprio won. He he finally won that game. Yeah. The the for those of you who um, if you're on your phones, it, it, I guess it's probably in a way moot. There's been this game that you can play on your phones, and I think online too, where you're Leonardo DiCaprio playing an RPG style win that Oscar game, <laughs> and you have obstacles like. Eddie Redmayne throwing like dresses at you and uh, uh, 
I, I forget all the things that happened. Did you play this game? No. Our friend Matt Rosen told us about this, and um, it's it's like bonus round, act harder, and uh, it's a little Leonardo DiCaprio who looks like he's he dressed up in his different movies, and like he, there's a Wolf of Wall Street round where you're crawling to your car, like the scene where he's on Quaaludes in that movie. Um, Brie Larson won for Best Actress, which as you know that was. No surprise at all. Usually the best actress win, that is the one that is pretty much a lock-in for a long time. The last time I can remember when a best actress win was kind of like... Contentious? Yeah, was for American Beauty. Like when Annette Bening lost to Hilary Swank, that was when I kind of remember thinking, oh, really? Huh. And best supporting actress. I, I forgot. Well, I mentioned. Well, that was Alicia Vikander. We oh, talked right. about that. Um, again, like I said, though, if people the, these people who vote in the category didn't all see the Hateful Eight, they had. Maybe she would have won. Maybe Jennifer Jason Lee might have gotten some more Oscar love. Maybe. All right. And if, if I was in the Academy, I would have voted for Jennifer Jason Lee. That was because it was the one movie you saw. Right. <laughs> but you're not voting on the on the Oscars, I'm so you don't on have it. that. Yeah, wasn't didn't we talk about this? I don't know if we talked about it off mic or not. About like we should nominate one of us for the. Oscar. We should become members of the academy. Yeah. Um, no, I found out though. You do need to have some. I found. I looked more closely at the rules. You do have to have somebody in the academy or the business who will, you know, bring you in. We'll find somebody. How hard can it be? We'll, we'll kidnap. Somebody. We live next to New York, for God's sake. All right. <laughs> uh, and lots of little things. Uh, short fil- film, Stutterer, best foreign language film, Son of Saul. Yeah, yeah. The yeah th- thus proving the trend that if your movie has the Holocaust in it, you're probably going to win an Oscar. Which, again, I bring up the Oscar ballot. In some in one of the Oscar ballot articles I read, somebody said, well, it's the Holocaust, and I'm Jewish, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, Re- Re- the Revenant also got some, some other Oscar... Uh, it got two. wins. It got uh, actor and director. Did it it got best else? director. It got best cinematography. Yes, got... that is significant. Let me bring this up for a second because uh, another piece of Oscar history. Um, well, two things, both for Emmanuel Lubezki, the cinematographer, and Inuritu, the director, which is that in, uh, the cinematographer Lubezki becomes now the only cinematographer in history to win three Oscars. Mm, well, going back to back. I mean, he's a talented guy. It was that was also a very tough field. I was pushing maybe for uh, Hateful Eight or um, Mad Max, or also Deacons. It, that's that's a that's a category where everybody has really great work. It's all just a matter of looking at. Yeah, I, I mean, in some t- in some ways, it's become a game of inches. Yeah, I mean, well, and the funny thing is, without going into a full review, because we could do that some other podcast, but you saw Sicario. I did recently. see that. Would you say that was a strong contender among the nominees? It's a really good film. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I, But, you know, again, I haven't seen the other nominees. So you if saw you, Mad if you, Max if you want, and Hateful Eight. I saw Mad Max and Hateful Eight, but it's like... Again, it's hard because it's it's I, I I don't I hate to use the cliche, but it's like apples and oranges. Yeah, I guess so. Um, a couple of odds and ends. Uh, oh, the, some, something to bring up though. Um, before we get to one other thing, so this year, talking about the show itself, the new thing happened where you had people thanking people in like a CNN style news ticker. <laughs> Uh, you know, like when you watch CNN, you have the news ticker on the bottom. Yeah. And here, at first, when I first heard this idea, I thought this was stupid. I thought this was a terrible idea. You, you know, because I, because I assumed that you have you make people submit who they want to thank, and then they get up on stage, and you still can't control them. No. And I. Right, but then, what do you? Uh, what? I mean, what else are you gonna do with them? All right, you're gonna put them up on stage, and they'll be like. Yay, Oscar! And they then do leave. The, they do the Hitchcock thing where they literally walk up and just say, "Thank you," and walk away. Yes, <laughs> which is what he did when he won his honorary Oscar. Um, and I and I like it when people use a bit of restraint. They say, "Thank you" to my parents, or just "Thank you, everybody." Goodbye. Joe you know? Pesci said only like a handful of words. He said, "This was an honor. Thank you." Yeah, and left. 
because if he started talking, he would have cursed up a storm. Um, I, but uh, but, but yeah. people still got to have their thanks, except the playoff music this year was Rise of the Valkyries. Ride of the Valkyries. Ride of yeah. the Valkyries, which I, I, I you didn't really notice this, or maybe you did. When Son of Saul won, and the guy who, by the way, was a first-time director winning his first Oscar, is giving his speech of a Holocaust movie, the people started to play the Riot of the Valkyries music just <laughs> for like a half second and then stopped because they suddenly realized, hmm, Wagner, Holocaust, Wagner, Holocaust, Nazis, Holocaust, I don't know, maybe it doesn't fit so well. <laughs> But let's get uh, let's get to the other significant ones. Best animated feature, Inside, Inside Out. Out, great, which it deserved. You didn't even see it, and you know it. Deserved I saw it. it. I've seen Inside Out. When did you see it? Ah, a few, oh, about a month ago. You didn't tell me this. I don't tell you everything. Well, you could have told Inside me Out that. is a great movie. You 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 betrayed it me. Deserved the Oscar. Thank you. I I agree. But you. All right. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, but uh, but again, uh, it's a game of inches. There were so many worthy animated films. There were three animated films this year that were among three of the best animated films I've seen in a long time, and one that was very good. So there was Shaun the Sheep, Animalisa, which are both when Marnie was great. there, and when Marnie was there. You know, again, it's it's the weakest Studio Ghibli movie I've but seen. But that's in a like while. saying this is the crappiest brick of gold that I have. Yeah, this this brick of gold <laughs> has the most scratches. It's yes. the most rusted brick of gold. <laughs> well, actually, you can't do that. But gold doesn't rust. Well, it's a chemical I'm impossibility. I'm trying to use Jack. a metaphor that works here. Gold tarnished gold. It doesn't tarnish either. What can happen to gold then? It can get scratched. I there don't you know. Go. It can right. get beaten up. It's soft. It, it can get mixed. Yeah, it can it can turn into a, a But anyway, puddle. Inside Out, it deserved it. Right on. It well, was uh, given by Buddy and Woods. Ex Machina, best visual effects. We talked about that. A That's little bit. Impressive. Yeah. Um, the In Memoriam section. Ooh. Uh, well, this uh, is always a touchy it's hard thing. Not to, it's hard not to feel something about the death of Christopher Lee. Well, sure, and and, and another one that I kind that kind of slipped under my radar, Omar Sharif. I mean, I had remembered that, but you know, it was something where I kind of like I wouldn't have remembered that unless I had gone online and looked up the list and I would have been like, oh, Omar Sharif, yeah, yeah, a, you know, a great character actor. It's funny that when we talk about that because tonight, um, during this whole Oscar thing, our friend Matt Rosen texted me and it's like, dude, Joe Cocker died. And I was like, wait, no. And I looked it up, and Joe Cocker died in, like, 2014. <laughs> well, that's not funny. No, but... no, 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 but the point is, though, sometimes you do forget that, like, when you suddenly hear that somebody died, and you think, oh my god, they just died, and the person died, like, three years ago. Yeah. Sometimes that does happen with certain actors. Like, I, for a split second, like, a, a few days ago, I thought... Oh man, I hope they bring up Eli Wallach. And not a second he died later. Here before. Yeah, exactly. Then I remembered, oh no, he already died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless if somebody's so awesome they can mention him twice. Yeah. Which but you know, but the problem is, of course, and this is a common thing, it happens every year. It's nothing un it's nothing new. They leave people out. And right. the person I noticed and everybody else noticed on the internet was Abe Bogoda. Yeah. Which um, the funny thing is with that. Of course, uh, he is the ultimate person who... Wait, I thought you were dead. <laughs> like, Abe Vigoda is like the Snake Plissken of actors. <laughs> He's like, I thought you were dead. And Abe Vigoda turns around like... Nah. <laughs> and But no, he did pass. And, you know, again, you know, the funny thing is is that in the, in the memoriam, there was this other actor who... Um, maybe his name was Rocco... Frank Rocco or Mo something Rocco. Yeah, another but another. Key. He was another actor in The Godfather. Yeah, who played so Mo why, Green. Yeah, but why you you leave out him? But you also but you don't. I don't know. Why don't you include both actors from The Godfather? But you know, like, you know he was a Ava Good had a pretty important role in that movie. Well, maybe there was more to uh, Mo Green than just. You know what you it know, is acting. though. It just occurred to me. What Ava Good did a lot of work in TV. They might save him for the Emmys. Yeah, that makes okay. sense. Yeah, that literally just. Hey, hey, we go to TV's fish. Yeah, 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 he did a lot of shows. Yeah, fish. Um, 
But they also left you know, out... You know uh, what else Abe Vigoda was in? He had a brief voice acting part in Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. Yes. Yes, he did. Thank yeah. you for reminding me of that. I I knew that. Which was a I theatrical think... release, so it counts. Yes. Um, but on the other hand, though, I mean, Leonard Nimoy, you know, started his career in TV yeah. was, as Spock. But I think you could say that because he did so many Star Trek movies, and he was in a lot of other movies, too. Some of his defining moments are from the Star Trek films. Yeah. And I brought up that I was... Like Star Trek IV. <laughs> yeah, with the whales. Yeah. Yeah, no, where, where he does the where he does the the pinch on that guy with the stereo in the bus. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a shout he, out for you, Adam. You know who you are. <laughs> he he knocked out that punk rocker who was on his nerves. I was glad that they I they could have used the clip where he, Spock dies in Wrath of Khan. Yeah, which I think would have been a little tasteless for to me. Would have been a bit would have been excessive. Yeah, but they didn't do that. They Considering used... that it's a death scene. Yeah, yeah, it's like. Uh... But then, but they use the, the they use the thing from <laughs> just, the Star Trek reboot. I'm just thinking that when James Conn dies, they'll use his scene from The Godfather where he <laughs> shot up. <laughs> James Conn, we know you listen to the podcast. We're not making fun of you. Don't come and beat us up. We don't want you to die, but yeah. still. You have to admit, it would be kind of funny. Yeah, but the other actor they left out, and you didn't think, you kind of gave me a James look. James Well, Not James Conn, but uh, Gunnar Hansen was left out. Uh, the uh, Leatherface, the very first Leatherface. Yeah. He made an iconic character. No? All right. All right, we'll let that go. But, but uh, um, I mean, but now that you bring him up, now is the time to really pay tribute and really recognize him. Gunnar Hansen, you were great as Leatherface in that movie. In a great horror film. Yeah. So, Gunnar Hansen, we salute you. you. Shit, click. Clink. All right. Um, and there was some other actor I forgot, but again, that's that's the problem. You only have so much time. Uh, Dave Grohl actually did a good job playing Blackbird on guitar. Yeah. You know, sometimes those songs that they use for In Memoriam are just uh, get it over with. But that was a nice song that fit the mood and it made you feel sad. I mean, when you see Alan Rickman's face pop up that David Bowie, he had a great clip. Yeah. Perhaps I may be of service <laughs> from Zoolander. Um, so what other things can we bring up? Well, uh, I think the only th- thing uh, worth uh, bringing up for now is, uh, well, let's one, get to... uh, one other sort of presentation performance that was pretty good. Uh, Louis CK. Yes. He, thank you for reminding me of that. He Louis... presented short documentary. Yeah. And he and he went wild with it. He made a real. You see what's I could tell that with that. You know the thing is again Chris Rock. He's the host. He and Louis C.K. are great friends. Louis C.K. used to write for Chris Rock's show, so they are really tight. So I I have to wonder whether Louis C.K. was picked by whoever produces the Oscars or Chris Rock said no get Louis C.K. He has to present something. Yeah. And they left it up to Louis C.K. to. Pick what you want. He's like, I want short documentary because nobody cares <laughs> about them at all. Well, it's more like, well, what's left, and yeah. then let's give it to Louis but C.K. He, but he made it great. He 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 made a real bit about it. Yeah. He actually made like a stand-up routine about the short documentary category, which was great because we saw less and less of Chris Rock as the show went on, which is usually the case with certain hosts. Yeah, but I mean. Uh, for, and then fortunately Louis C.K. comes up and he made his presence really well known yeah. in, in that thing. And you know he's presenting best documentary short. Yeah. Well, some the thing, kind of thing you go to the bathroom for. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, and then he he says some of the show's funniest jokes. Yeah. And I won't say them for uh, right now, but go go search for him online and you should be able to find if you can find them. them because the Oscar things are copyrighted by the Academy. Yes, but you end up seeing little, like, 10-second, 15-second GIFs. And they're usually set at 45-degree angles yeah. to, to... Right. I hope he I hope he gets to host next time. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about... Um. Now, I know this, again, might not matter to you too much because you didn't see the two movies, but Revenant lost Best Picture yep. to Spotlight. That was, yeah, Spotlight, Best Picture. That was there were some people who were still pulling for Spotlight for Best Picture. I thought I'd kind of given up on it just because um, the Revenant had won at the BAFTA Awards and it had won uh, it won something else big. I forget what. Um, I think it might have won the Golden Globe for Best 
picture, but I forget. But the point is, um, oh, something else interesting I read about. But you that. and your wife were both very happy that uh, Spotlight won. Well, Spotlight to, it was a better film. Just again, I sometimes it's hard to quantify these things, but. Um, oh, but well, you, you know me. I was pushing. I was pulling for Fury Road. Well, sure. I mean, that would have been a major <laughs> Which I have upset. to admit was because it was the only one I had seen. Sure. Uh, that would have been the uh, that would have been monumental. It I would have been, been awesome though. I would have been a I would have done a dance. I mean, I mean Birdman won best picture last year, right? Yeah. And no one expected Birdman to win. That was an upset. Um, yes and no. People were kind of saying Boyhood would probably Boyhood take was it. the clear favorite last year. It was up to a point. I think that there were a lot of people who thought would get it, but then there were also a lot of people who thought Birdman would get it. I um, So it depends who you talk to. I feel like this year is a little bit more of a surprise. This is closer to when uh, Crash won Best Picture in like 2006. Mm. And thankfully, Spotlight's a much better movie than Crash. But um, I mean, like if, if you have two scales where one side is The Revenant and the other side is Mad Max... Uh, Spotlight is somewhere is in the middle. It's a very different movie than those. Uh, the thing that would have been great about Mad Max is that it would have, um, you know, somebody like George Miller has been making movies for, you know, since like the late seventies, and you know, is very passionate about what he does. He's a really strong Clearly. visual storyteller, and yeah, I get Inuritu is too, but uh, there, but there was a certain. Uh, what word do I use? Maybe pomposity to the Revenant that wasn't in. Uh, well, Mad Max. well, I remember you. There said... wasn't this kind of overbearing sense of this is grand art. Um, see, I thought that the Revenant was going best picture after I went to a critic screening of the Revenant, and there was a guy like the, the movie got applause in the last few minutes, and then. Uh, when, the, when, the, when the credits started to come up. But there was one guy sitting next to me who applauded every single credit. <laughs> but I thought that was an indicator of, all right, well, I guess it's going to get it. <laughs> um, but I think that maybe the tide started to turn a little bit, even though, again, Revenant won three Oscars, major wins. But, yeah, Spotlight, though, an interesting fact before we uh, finish up here. Spotlight is the first film since The Greatest Show on Earth, to win Best Picture with only two um, wins. Yeah. Like, two Oscar wins. Oh. So it won Best Picture and Best Screenplay. It didn't win anything else. Usually a film that wins Best Picture will get maybe three, four, maybe a bunch more wins. This one only won two. Huh. That's an unusual thing to happen. Almost never Wait, happens. not counting Best Picture? No, no, yeah, it no, it wins two Oscars, including Best Picture. What about Best Actor? No, I'm talking about Spotlight. No, I'm, I'm oh Spotlight. Sorry, I was I was thinking yeah. of The Revenant. Yeah, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that, that's an interesting thing to happen. I don't know. Um, all right, final thoughts. Well, uh, now we have our assignment. I, our I assignment haven't, I haven't do. seen. I've, oh, I, for you to see more movies. Well, I mean, that's always the assignment, but I know which movies I should see now. I Spotlight, I've definitely got to see, because, yeah. you know, clips really promote films in this case. I mean... Uh, it got you a little bit interested, didn't it? Like, yeah. the clip of Mark Ruffalo? Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I'm going to have to see that again. Uh, I'm going to have to see that in the first place. I'm not sure if I'm going to bother to see The Revenant, although it yeah. seems really interesting. Uh, it's... Maybe you'll like it. I, I'm. I'd be curious. I mean, you never saw Birdman, though. No. Uh, even though you probably saw clips from that. Um, do you think you'd ever see Room? I don't know. That didn't really catch my interest. Okay. But uh, I mean, what else is that? I don't know. What else would you have not? Because I mean, oh, I, I still have to see Bridge of Spies. That and The Martian. That... I've got to see. Yeah, The Martian walk kind of didn't win anything. No, it didn't. Yeah, which is, you know, there was some, uh, there was a little bit of uh, growing backlash against The Martian, even though among all the nom nominees for Best Picture, that was the biggest grossing one. Yeah. Um, and again, I keep telling you, and you can't get in your head, you will, you may forgive Ridley Scott for Prometheus after well, that, Martian. Well, that's that's a really tall promise, but <laughs> but I'm still going to give it a chance. You'll have, let me put it this way, you'll. Y it, it had it's a lot smarter than Prometheus for one thing. It has a lot more fun 
in a way uh, that Prometheus just never does. Right. Uh, uh, you know, Matt Ma- Ma- Damon carries the movie much better than anybody in Prometheus could. <laughs> uh, there's no crazy, I'm going to cut this alien out of my uh, belly scene. That was, that was okay. It's funny that that's the one scene you liked. Yeah. <laughs> it was more of like a, the horror movie scene. At least it, it was something. Yeah. All right. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a fun show. It was a fun show. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I was entertained. Among the Oscar shows, I don't know where this would rank. I'd have to kind of think about it a little bit more. But this was, for me, this was actually my favorite show since, uh, probably since Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin co-hosted. Because huh. even though I like Seth MacFarlane, some of his music bits weren't quite. I didn't find them quite as funny as maybe you did. Okay. Like, yeah. So, but as I'm, uh, I'm just gonna say, right amount of musical numbers this year. Yeah. Could have used more montages. Could use better songs, but you, they had what they worked with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what would have been nice though? What? If they had a little bit more of, uh, like, a couple years in the past, I've seen them do where they have. The, the nominees for original score, they have, like, an actual suite. Imagine getting a full Hateful Eight score performed <laughs> at the Oscars. Well, that would have been nice. Oh, well, they've missed that opportunity. Yeah, so but, if you... Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say? Nope, that's it. If, if you, go if, buy the Hateful Eight soundtrack. It's really awesome. Yeah, go go buy it. and uh, I bought it already. I bought it before it was cool. Yes, and, and just remember, in case you're wondering... There are there is that one track that's from the thing. Yay! Um, it's not on the soundtrack though. It's not. No, you have to look it up. Yeah, it's called uh, bestiality. Yeah. Um, and we end, an, uh, we end the show on bestiality. <laughs> All right. So for the Wages of Cinema, I'm Andrew. I'm Jack. And the Wages of Cinema is death. Have a good week.